0: Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanized Workforce Future You podcast series, where we ask people from all walks of life to talk about their perception of the future and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Zaffin. Day
1: by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. Mostly, it is presented as scary and a loss of opportunities. The Humanized Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Let's see what today's guest thinks. Today's guest on the Humanised Workforce Future You podcast is Jeremy Scrivens. Jeremy started his career as an HR intern. His focus was on front-end HR roles in various companies, including Commonwealth Bank and the Electricity Commission of Victoria. In 2000, he set up his business called the Emotional Economy at Work. Is interested in the concept of flow and a strengths-based approach for improving innovation and collaboration in a work organisation. Let's hear what Jeremy's got to say about humanised workforce.
0: My name is Steve Barlow and I'm joined today, as always, by Craig Saffin. How are you today, Craig?
1: Great, Steve. I'm very well. Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: Excellent. We've got as a guest today Jeremy Scrivens. So, welcome, Jeremy. Pleasure to be here. Do you want to tell us and our listeners a little bit about your background, who you are, and the kind of work that you do?
2: Well, in ancient times, before history was written, I became an HR intern back in 1978. (laughs) That does seem like a long time ago. So, I guess my my industry, so to speak, is, is HR, but I was very fortunate. To be involved in what i call front-end hr um it, it's some interesting stuff uh commonwealth public service board then the electricity commission in victoria uh where i started to understand that collaboration is a bigger idea than uh the competition between people um as i tried to bring managers and unions together um, in those days we did over two glasses of five or six glasses of beer or, or, or red wine until three three o'clock in the morning but um i've always been interested in um, in uh, bringing people together. Uh, we, we call it collaboration now, but I think then I just felt it was instinctive. Um, I was very fortunate to be headhunted to go to Telstra in 1990, um, and was involved in the Enterprises Division of Telstra, where we had the job of privatizing the Yellow Pages um, and White Pages businesses and into census, but also starting up MobileNet in competition with, um, with Vodafone and Optus, which spent transforming the public sector culture in the, in those businesses then about five years later I was involved in setting up the HR conditions for the internet oh. which was very exciting hiring young kids from Cisco who would not wear um, ties and suits and that was really cool <laughs> and then in 2000 I felt there was a life after Telstra I've been in my business for the last 21 20 years um, called the Emotional Economy at Work and the reason it's called that is because I kind of discovered that the very small fraction of people who are engaged at work are engaged from the heart first, not the right. head or intrinsically. And so, therefore, the word emotional came into being. And I reconfigured my work from looking at organisations uh, as problems to be solved using things like Lean Six. I thought in those days that flow was the absence of waste. But I've now come to un- to, to, to discover that flow is when the whole of your head your – head, your uh, heart and your hands are working together for a, a purpose bigger than yourself and so um i've switched to a strengths-based approach towards my work in the last 15 years and been working with organizations in, uh, around the world to explore what i now call strengths-based collaboration at scale uh, both in what i call the physical summit room which is using things like appreciative inquiry innovation whole system in the room everyone's story matters but also the social room, the idea of using social media as an architecture to start up social movements as the new division of business in a, in, a, in 2021, so to speak. Um, the idea of, of technology is convergence, bringing everything together and putting the individual at the center. I was taught to start with the job description and the organization. Now I believe it starts with the individual on their life work journey. There's more to work than a job description. Right. And right. finally, I'm now doing some very exciting work with. To uh, so some technology companies to uh, to bring um, culture and technology together to reimagine a future of work which puts people first.
1: Right. So so that's a, that's quite a journey, isn't it? Uh, you've uh, you've moved through a lot of transitions, and um, basically, yeah. I, I don't know if you realize it, you just gave a bit of a potted history on how the HR philosophies have changed over the period as well. So that's uh, incredibly interesting. Uh, now that you are starting to focus a little bit more on the future of work, which is actually the topic of this um, podcast, looking at the positive aspects of it uh, and how the workforce is being humanised, what are you seeing that's changing the most about humanising the workforce and, and the things that are, uh, you're being asked to do or being asked to advise on with your clients?
2: I, I did, My first tweet was, was, was hashtag future work back in 2011. Right, and uh, so I was one of the first two or three to use that, actually. Um, uh, but I think I wrote then that in the future of work, people will first be engaged from their heart, not their head. And that was, that was the first tweet I ever wrote um, some 10 years ago. Gallup, was, Gallup have done some of the biggest work on employee engagement over the years, as you would know, Craig. Um, and Steve basically have said those who are engaged Engaged from the heart, and yet we've seen the numbers of engaged people at work stay roughly the same for quite some years now until COVID came on board. Mm. So, COVID is a crisis. And the "and crisis" is defined by the dictionary as the course of a critical course in the event of a disease or in uh, at the time of great peril. But it's also defined as a time of change around what is vital. Isn't that interesting? Such a shift in. in the contrast to the two definitions so what i'm seeing now are conversations where people who have been work and workplaces which they weren't happy with for a long time got out of the building long enough yeah to sit back and reflect on what's important to them and the foreman have been trying to round them up ever since <laughs> the building for them. and they're struggling yeah. because as soon as the industrial model of so so in terms of technology i i, I try and make sense of the world from a, i'm not a technology guy so i just write about stuff and for some reason people seem to to to, to like it because i'm trying to understand where things are going from a layman's perspective but yeah, sure. also then say this is what it means so i just came up with this concept about three or four years ago and there's two streams in the future of work first stream is the continued use of the technologies to put the process and the machine and the factory in the center where people are still operators of processes. An example of those are call centers, which I've just written an article about, which has got a bit bit crazy, where technology is owned by the few for the benefit of the few, although it's used by everybody, Mm -hmm. but the real owners of that technology are the few, yeah, and where people are dispensable. So automation can get rid of people without a conscience, right? But second stream is the use of the technology, which puts people first and puts people at the center. Mm. And where it's used to augment individuals and humanity. And so that's a very different construct. Right. Um, at, at its heart is this concept also of convergence. We're moving towards systems integration, which we've had for a number of years. Systems integration is, as, is the attempt to bolt together a whole bunch of different applications that have been specifically designed for one thing. And they're not talking to each other, right? And so we've seen that for many years. Convergence is the concept now with all the beautiful technologies of wholeness. And wholeness means life work. So I'm using the term hashtag life work. When you're part of wholeness, you don't see work as limited to a job description. Right, right. Right? So, so when I first started work, when you first started work maybe, and you were bolted onto the Oracle payroll system, you became recognized by the system. Right, yep. Yeah. Uh, and the classification structure: engineer class one, class two, class three. Uh, <laughs> chief Chief Scientist grade four. You you existed as soon as you left that that job or that organisation, you ceased to exist on the corporate payroll. That's and right. as far as technology concerned, you ceased to exist. Yes, yes. Yeah. The yeah. old mobile phones used to be sorry. The old phones used to be on our desks, right? Well it was when I was starting yeah. to work? Number. When I left the <laughs> number. I left the office. I didn't own the phone right or the data on the phone, but now. The phone is, is Craig's phone or Steve's phone or Jeremy's phone. And that is a huge difference. But our organisations, in a traditional hierarchical way, still try and think of we've got a vision. It's the CEO's vision. We've got five values and we've got this hierarchical. We've tried and cascade stuff down the organisation. And really what they're saying is don't buy my vision, just comply with it, mate. And yeah. the people now are no longer buying this what they're looking for is the ability to have and i think what i call different and vital conversations around what really matters so i'm in the space now working with second stream tech companies and second stream leaders in businesses who want to engage their people in authentic conversations around what it means to make a difference together by bringing the whole
1: of each of us into play so you, so, you know, a lot, you, what you're talking about is a technology-centric and a people-centric model, two separate models, and and also in the news lately a lot of people are talking about a lot of people resigning. Like you just said, they, they've yes. had a chance to reflect, and so they, they're just getting up and leaving. And so uh, to your point on engagement, the engagement uh, seems to be a real issue because we don't have that people-centric model. Do you want to comment on that? But I've just
2: written my latest blog, um, which is about how to engage in inclusion and diversity through intrinsic appreciation right. to to reverse the great resignation. And the great resignation is the sense of there is more to life than what I'm seeing in this narrow sense of being asked to do something which is not fundamentally meaningful. Right, um, and and. I got up in front of two, 200, uh, 300 CHROs in uh, India two years ago and said, because uh, I was asked to, to to rock their world a bit, so I just started up by rocking their world by saying to them, do you know your personal why? Mm-hmm. I understand, because in India, HR is a huge thing. HR, in Australia and England and other countries, HR is not always front of house, not always. I'm not saying that applies all the time. I was very fortunate to be in that space but sometimes it's not in india it is india uh the best young graduates of which there are thousands of them, thousands of them in india look to do one of two particular career pathways one is technology the other is hr can you believe that yeah and hr is a is a stream to becoming ceo yeah so i just said to them look um do you know your personal why and the second question is, are you creating a pathway in the future of work that enables the whole of you to be traveling on a journey through your personal life? Because they're fundamentally important questions. Hmm. And they went da 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 And I was like, okay, cool. Here's two more questions. I understand in between that you, you actually employ a like 100 million people. I said, I can't get my head around that. But you know what? You do. So I'm grateful that you have to. Then we ask a third question. Do you know the personal life of every single person who works for you? And are you creating conversations and openings and and, and forums for effective uh, uh, conversations where your people can themselves come together so they can create their own future of work as individuals hashtag me, and as a company of 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 or fellowship of the ring hashtag we, because that is the future role of HR. Dead right. silence in the room. Dead silence in the room. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah, and yeah, I mean, you're 50 out of one country where uh, uh, India, the numbers in India are huge. I've done a fair bit of work in India myself. But, uh, but let's come back to the discussion. And I think what the logical step here is, is—is uh, what do you think is the implications for leadership now? And, and what are the pressure, the new pressures on leaders as far as making this transition that you've just described?
2: I think the leadership now is moving from leader as hero to leader as host. From moving from leader as the 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 leader in the boardroom on the sixty fifth floor, surrounded by your C C, C suite colleagues and your experts from the big five um, consulting companies—no disrespect—and the others—and coming up with the solution or the answers or the frameworks or the or the plans, people don't want a plan; they want a purpose. Yes, and I think now the 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 leaders, the the wonderful leaders I'm working with, seeing are saying, "I'm going to host a conversation." strengths-based, but I don't know the answers. I don't know what this world is going to be like, but if I engage all my people together, come together in those conversations, the answer will emerge. Now that is a very powerful shift, but it's not what leaders have been taught, which is, you know, I'm meant to be the one with the vision and the answer. No, life is too complex now, and it's too much variety to say that I know what the answer is. if you engage and host people in forums like for example Christian Inquiry where you can um, uh, where every story every person's story matters then it creates an extraordinary forum for addressing the kind of issues that are top of house now like top of mind like inclusion diversity equity social justice and so on so this is a huge opportunity for leadership the second point I'd say is leaders need to think about opening up their organisations and thinking of work and business as single enterprises into, into living ecosystems. So those who could be authentically playing and engaging with their ecosystems, not just taking from them, but yes. engaging with them doing life, for life work together, are going to have a very rich, a rich journey ahead of them.
1: Do you think in the lead, it's a very interesting take and I, I can see a lot of the, the people we've interviewed for this podcast series so far have talked about the empathetic leader, how important it is now and are being actually genuinely interested in their people rather than just, uh, you know, asking the question and moving on. So you're describing it at the next level of uh, sophistication. But do you think a lot of the leaders can make this transition because you're talking about them giving up a lot of traditional power, aren't you?
2: I think we need. I look for the early adopters here. The early adopters. Yeah? The early right. adopters. I think yeah. the reality is that most most leaders are looking for evidence based where it works. Yeah. Australia, we t- we tend to be a little bit well. We talk about innovation, and there's a lot of good innovation going on. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes we say, "Hey, we, we believe in innovation. Now show me where it's working." Right. right <laughs> like right. it's. Okay. I do think that. It's, so I, I look for the stories now of the leaders who are coming forward. i am um, talking with one of australia's oldest and most established um social care charities and in 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 Australia uh, church based you know their name do a lot of social care aged care oh. residential care, and so on uh and I speak at their executive team the day in a conversation where they're talking now about how they can engage the personal life of each of their people. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a big. And change. I'm going. Where Where have you been <laughs> all my <laughs> life? You know? And they said to me, "How do we do it?" I said, "Why don't you ask your people? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you get your people together for an open conversation and ask them how we do it together? Right. And you'd be surprised. If you ask me that. You don't have to come up with it yourself. All you have to yeah. do is to ask the right like, questions and the host and protect and." and Protect these forums, and I call that hashtag hold this space.
1: Yeah, the uh, ability of a leader to be able to facilitate that process rather than to uh, have all the answers is uh, quite a, a difficult transformation in my experience. So.
2: And I just said to them, you know, I said to them, Craig, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, uh, you are not usual. You're not the usual suspects. I have one and last... They question. said because... Yeah, go you know, ahead. Because we ahead. care. It'd they be just good. said, look, yeah. we care and we we... We, we believe there's a different conversation. Now, where, how that actually comes, I don't know, but I'm going to work with them and I've been asked to work with them to, to bring them to reality. So that's very exciting.
1: I think that's a key thing, isn't it, just uh, because we care. I mean, that's actually, you know, that was, that's very important, isn't it, to actually care and not just be uh, ticking boxes and so on.
2: And I think also, just on that, just, just to take it back into a broader context, they're, all, they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. They're also aware that they are in a war for talent. That they can't expect yeah. people just to rock up and get jobs anymore. Especially and in that
1: industry you're, that you're yeah. describing, they're having a particularly yep. hard time, aren't they? Yeah. Can I Had just ask you time. one? Yeah. One last question, yeah. uh, then uh, we'll hand over to Steve, who's uh, able to sum up for us. I sure. wanted to ask you, uh, what advice do you give uh, to young people who are starting out in their careers about how to best prepare themselves for what's going on?
2: I, I think it's important to take time, time to discover who you are. Hmm you know, and to take time out. To be with people who believe what you believe about the world. Right. I'd also really encourage people to to reach out and to start to write and connect on, on social media positively, like Twitter and LinkedIn, yep. which has been, I've seen some, some young people with doing that very, very well. But I also think it's important to, to work with organisations and to ask people who are generally interested in caring for people yes. and their employees as much as they say they care for their customers. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that um, the the interesting comment you make about the social media. A lot of people. I, I've never ceased to be amazed me how many people on social media, and they're using it for vilification and so on. But um, it can be a real uh, thing for good as well. So, thank you very much. That's been very interesting, Steve. You want to jump in?
0: Yeah, I'll just jump in and uh, summarize a few lessons that have come out to me. At least I heard you talk a lot about uh, work, the workplaces of the heart that engaging the heart is so important to do with you know purpose and meaning and people authentically being who they are and what they've got to bring i um, also heard you talk about workplaces as collaborative ecosystems where leaders can create spaces for people to collaborate and bring their strengths and leverage all of that good stuff that people bring to the workplace i heard you talk about leaders as hosts as um creating again a space for not being the expert, but for creating a space where solutions can emerge from the joint resources of people working collaboratively together, thought that was great. You talked a little bit about uh, tech as, as an enabler in many instances and assisting people in the, you know, I guess, making it easier for the collaboration to be able to happen. And the importance for young people, and I guess for all of us, to leverage social media and to use it for the good stuff that it can actually be used for. So appreciate your uh, your contribution. I think it was wonderful. Thank you.
1: Thanks very well, much, Steve,
2: Obviously, we're listening. <laughs> Thank you very much for a beautiful summary.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was excellent, Jeremy. A lot
1: of uh, different perspective to the people we normally talk to. So thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. Uh.
0: That's my pleasure. Uh, nice to meet you both. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humanized Workforce Future You. Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcast. The transcripts for today's
1: podcast can be found on craigsatham.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews for future guests.